I'm Steve Yasko, and welcome to Why Did You Run, an occasional podcast about why elected officials decided to run for office. We're not focusing on their politics, but rather on what motivated them to go through the sometimes grueling election process, knowing that their every decision and action would be scrutinized by their constituents. Today, we're speaking with Eric Costello, Baltimore City Councilman for the 11th District, which includes much of the Inner Harbor area, both residential and commercial, including downtown, as well as neighborhoods to the north. Eric was appointed to a seat on the council after the resignation of Bill Cole, who left the council to head up the Baltimore Development Corporation in 2014 and ran for re-election in 2016. Eric, thanks for chatting with us today. Thanks for having me today, Steve. Appreciate it. So so you were born in Brooklyn in 1980. Did, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, Binghamton, about an hour south of Syracuse. What was it? Uh, what was that like? Uh, very small town, uh, blue collar, probably about 50,000 people. Spent a lot of time uh, during my childhood in New York City uh, and definitely came to the realization at a young age that I was uh, meant to live in a city uh, and not in a rural area. What turned you on to cities? Uh, just just the bustling energy um, that, you, that you see and you feel and you hear when you're on the street, uh, people everywhere. Uh, different things going on. I was always intrigued by it and always found it to be very exciting and invigorating. So I'm always sort of curious when when people sort of got the bug for for public service and and I find that that they were either sometimes they were and sometimes they weren't and their student government in high school or or they were big into athletics. Now I know you're a pretty big sports fan. I'm wondering if you did you did you play sports in high school? Yeah, I played uh, baseball and basketball um, and I played rugby in college. Uh, I never really had any involvement in student government, but was involved in some other things. I was big into chess uh, and a few other clubs, but I never never was really in student I can't recall doing anything related to student government, either in, in school or in college. So so what, what, did, what did sports teach you about leadership? Um, a lot of it had to do with, with teamwork uh, and making sure that everyone was on the same page uh, and everyone had the same goal or the same mission, uh, that everyone had a, a part uh, to play in, in accomplishing that objective. So you did your uh, undergrad at SUNY, and, and how do you? Uh, that's a town that I don't think many people can pronounce the name of it correctly. SUNY Oneana, Oneana. Uh, so State University of New York at Oneana. About six thousand people live in the town year round, and the college has a population of about six thousand. In addition to that, so so you, you delayed getting to a big city for your undergraduate. <laughs> I, I did. I did. <laughs> but then you uh, but then you did your graduate work at Syracuse and you got a master's in information technology. Why why information technology? Um I was looking for something in undergrad and, and I switched majors a couple times and didn't really find what I was looking for. I think my first semester I was an accounting major. Looked at uh, computer science, ended up graduating with a communications degree, and I had an interest in information management because it seemed like the merger of, you know, the math and the IT and the geeky side, uh, which I have, as well as, um, you know, working with people in the social side and the business side of things. So it seemed like the perfect fit for me. So, so from there, you you ended up working at the Government Accountability Office in D.C. Did 
Did you live in D.C. at the time? So I moved down to um, the Washington area. I lived in Northern Virginia for about a year. Uh, I had a group of guys that I grew up with uh, that I've known since I was six and nine years old who were teachers and counselors in the school district here. So I would come up once a month to visit them. We would go to an Orioles game. We would go to a Ravens game, go hang out at the Cross Street Market. Uh, and when my lease was up, it didn't take much arm twisting to convince me to move up here. So what, what actually did you do at, at GAO? So I ended up at GAO because I was on a um, cybersecurity scholarship in, at Syracuse, and I needed to return service to the federal government. And, of course, the overwhelming majority of um, cybersecurity and IT-related jobs are in the, in the federal government or in the Washington area. So I was a IT auditor there for eight years, and basically what I would do is audit uh, large-scale federal IT investments ranging from $50 million to about $2 billion uh, and make sure that uh, these investments were following best practices and following the law and make recommendations on how to improve uh, not only these investments but the programs behind them. So, so when you got here to Baltimore, how did you pick a neighborhood? Well, I, I moved in with the guys uh, who I grew up with, uh, and they were living in a small neighborhood near downtown uh, Otterby. So I lived there for about uh, two and a half years, and then the entire gang broke up. Uh, my best friend from third grade uh, went on to join the Secret Service and uh, was relocated to New York after training. Uh, another one of the guys ended up getting engaged uh, to his uh, undergrad sweetheart, and moving over to the east side. Uh, and then the third guy ended up uh, purchasing a couple rental properties, uh, investment properties, uh, out in Sykesville, I believe. And he was working uh, at a nuclear engineering firm out there. Uh, and it was a lot easier of a commute to live uh, five minutes away, so he moved out there. I know that you were president of the Federal Hill Neighborhood Association before becoming councilman. What? Uh why did you want to do that job? Like I, I know I've been to my own neighborhood associations in places that I lived, and they seem like the toughest kind of public service you can do. Uh, I am not sure what I was thinking, Steve. Uh, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for community leaders in the city, um, having been one for three years. Uh, that is the toughest elected job in the city, bar none. Uh, on top of all of the things that you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show today, uh, all the challenges with being an elected office, the scrutiny, etc. Um, when you're a community leader, you don't get paid to do it. It's thankless. you got to find time out of your own schedule. you got people who have families. Uh, they got bills to pay. Uh, they've got commitments with their children church, sports, uh, whatever those commit work, uh, and to, to carve out that time is, is extremely challenging. Uh, so you've got to find something that is, that is worthwhile to you. Uh, I, I purchased my house in Federal Hill in the summer of 2010, and the first neighbor that I met, I became very good friends with her, her name's Kelly, uh, still am to this day, she lives around the corner for me. She convinced me to go to a community meeting uh, in the fall of 2010 or 20, 2011. Uh, I will never forgive her for that. Uh, I went to the community meeting uh, and thought that uh, the folks that were representing the neighborhood association weren't really reflective of the diversity that we had in the neighborhood. 
uh, and that's when I made the decision to get involved uh, and to volunteer and, and find ways that I could give back to the neighborhood. Talk about the moment when you knew you wanted to run for higher office. So you're sitting there, you're you're your neighborhood association president um, with all that goes along with that and, and Federal Hill, which for, for folks that are not familiar with Federal Hill in Baltimore, it's very much a, a post-college young adult neighborhood. It's, it's the center of, of nightlife for many people. There's there's many bars and restaurants. After, after all that, what was it that, that made you say, I'd like to do more? Well, I'd like to say one thing about Federal Hill. Um, there, there's definitely an active nightlife scene there. Um, there are a lot of families there um, in terms of uh, you know, there's a decent amount of diversity in terms of what folks in the neighborhood, what my neighbors like to do. Um, and, and that's ranging all the way from seniors uh, down to um, families that have young children uh, that go to school in the neighborhood. I never really had an interest in getting involved in politics. Uh, it wasn't something that I aspired to do. Um, when my predecessor stepped down, uh, there was a vacancy uh, for uh the, the council seat, uh, and I had a number of people who had approached me, uh, and I think a lot of this had to do with uh, heavy involvement in the community. You know, leading up to that, um, you know, I started off with my neighborhood association. Uh, by the time I, I came to the end of that term, I think I was on four or five different boards. I got involved, uh, you know, with the advisory board for the high school and with the local development council for the area surrounding the um, the casino to the advisory board for the parking authority. And I got more and more involved and, and really, I didn't realize it at the time, I just became a serial volunteer. You, you snowballed or, or, or went downstream into public service. Yeah, and I never really had any intention to. Um, you know, I was, I was perfectly happy with my job down in D.C. at the GAO. So my predecessor stepped down and there was a vacancy and there's, there's an appointment process for that. And a number of people uh, had approached me and, and talked with me about um, my interest in, in getting involved. And at first, I honestly didn't have any interest. I thought this was crazy. Why would I take a $30,000 pay cut to deal with this type of stress? And I was very familiar with um, what the job entailed. I, I knew my predecessor very well and, and saw um, firsthand uh, some of the challenges and, and, and the stress associated with it. Uh, but the more and more people that I spoke with, um, you know, I realized that it was a good fit for my own personal skill set, uh, the way that I manage my time and my work ethic. And I, I thought that I'd made a really positive impact in my neighborhood and some of the surrounding neighborhoods. Uh, and this was an opportunity uh, to continue making that impact on a larger scale. You talked a little bit about lifestyle in there, and I always wonder about how people in elected office balance their personal lives in such a public position. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you determine when you've had enough for the day and, and the city can wait? You know, how, how do you know when it's okay to turn your phone off, if, if ever? I never turn my phone off, but um, usually uh, what ends up happening is I have to be told by someone. I'll be the first to admit uh, I that's one area where I, I certainly need to improve uh, is balancing um, you know, work with, with my personal life. It's just Eric, the neighbor that lives in Federal Hill, um, who owns a dog and likes to watch sports on the weekend. 
Uh, and oftentimes it's, it's a neighbor or a family member or a friend uh, who says to me, turn it off, just, just relax, take care of yourself and, and try and enjoy yourself and take some downtime. I know sometimes when I try to tune out, the tuning out becomes just as stressful as leaving it on. Um, you know, it's challenging because uh, if you're really engaged in this type of position, you really uh, eat, sleep, breathe uh, the work that you're doing. Uh, so sometimes it, it is difficult. And, and one of the most challenging things for me personally is when I'm dealing with a situation that I know I can get to the answer on, uh, but it takes it takes time. You got to be patient. Um, it requires, uh, you know, complex solutions because some of these problems are very complex. And I know that a lot of these problems impact uh, the quality of life of, of people that live in my neighborhood or live in my district. So, you know, it's, it's tough not to stay up at night thinking about those things and, and obsessing over them and laboring over how you can fix those problems. So two years after you were appointed, you have to run in the Democratic primary, which I think, as most people know, in Baltimore pretty much is the general election. And you had four challengers. Were, were you surprised by the number of people who ran against you? Um, no, I don't, I don't think that I was. Um, you know, I think it's, had I been an incumbent for, um, you know, multiple election cycles, maybe it would have been different. Um, but for me, I hadn't run before, so this was all I really knew. So I wasn't much surprised by anything that, that happened. You know, I always tell people that in this job, one of the cool things about this, one of the things that I enjoy most is that every single hour of the day is a field trip. I have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour. Um, so it really keeps you on your toes as opposed to my old job where, you know, I spent eight, ten hours a day, five days a week behind a computer. So did you know that you would run for election, for re-election as soon as you were appointed? Did you have that longer view or was there a time in those first couple of years where you're like, I'll do this for two years and I'll go back to that computer screen? So I had my mind made up um, once I decided to throw my name in the ring and, and um, commit to this if I was selected that, yes, I was, I was going to run again. Making that commitment upfront required me being willing to make that commitment to run in 2016. So, so what was the election process like? I think most people think at the local level that elections are not as complicated, obviously, as a congressional seat or governor. But, but what's it like to run? What's it like to what What's it like to put yourself out there for an election? It's exhausting, uh, but it's also exhilarating. It's um, you know nice to be able to interact with so many people. Um, you know, you you live in the district I represent. I spent um, you know a good twenty minutes one day talking with you in your kitchen, uh, just about issues impacting your neighborhood, um, and having that opportunity to talk to thousands of people um, that that all have had these diverse experiences throughout their life and throughout the time that they've lived in in the neighborhood that they're in, uh, and trying to sift through all of that and figure out you know, what's important, what's relevant, what's critical, what's got to get fixed right now, what are we doing the right way, how can we build on, on those strengths that we have uh, is a lot of fun. Um, but it's also, you know, very tiring um, when you're in the middle of trying to do the job uh, that you've been appointed or elected to do. 
uh, and you have to do the, the campaign piece of it. The campaign, I know campaigns can have a lot of rules. How did you keep abreast of all that? How did you, how did you put that structure in place, right? So here you are, you're, you're a neighborhood guy appointed to city council and all of a sudden you're, you have to go to reelection and, and even at this level, you have to have some sort of campaign organization. How did you put all that together? Um, a lot of, lot of sleepless nights, but uh, I had a campaign manager, uh, Tucker Cavanaugh, who, you know, in my estimation, ran the best, best campaign in the, in the city. How did you uh, meet him? At the council level. Uh, he used to work for uh, one of my former delegates, uh, Pete Hammond, who's now with the mayor's office. And uh, you know, I reached out to Tucker and, and hit it off right from the beginning. Uh, one of the important things uh, that I did... Uh, and I think uh, this was because I was not as cynical because I, w I was fresh and new and had never um, been involved and in, in, really involved in politics before was I gave him complete control of, of the campaign and, and said, you know, this is your show. You're getting paid to help me win. Um, I'm going to do my job on the office side of things that I need to keep doing every day. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do on the, on the campaign side of things. And we're in this together, and, and we're just going to fight and, and work our tails off seven days a week until Election Day. What did you think of the fundraising part of it? Did you like that part? It's a it's a um, fundraising is difficult, and it's a unfortunate necessity of, of being in public office. Um, but again, it gives you an opportunity. Uh, to talk with different people uh, and understand what their issues are um, and and to put you in a better position to serve and be more effective. So so I'm not going to ask you if you think you're going to run for higher office because that's something I think everybody does on the Sunday shows all the time. But I'd like to know how you think your public service career is going to go. What do you think you're going to do with the rest of your life? I'm not sure what I'm doing in the next hour, Steve. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I am going to run again in, in 2020, uh, and then, you know, I'll reassess. Um, I feel that this is not a job that can be done for life if you want it the right way. It's, it's very grueling and taxing, um, not only on your, your personal and family life, but on your, on your health if you treat it with the seriousness that the job should be treated. Uh, and I'll reassess, and I'll... Um, have a desire to continue to serve as long as I can continue um, with, the, with the same level of, of energy and excitement about doing the job every day. Uh, and when I can't do that, when I feel like I'm no longer able to commit to that, uh, then I'll know it's time uh, that I need to move on and do something different. Eric, thank you so much. Thanks for talking with us. Eric Costello, Baltimore City Councilman for the 11th District, and you've been listening to Why Did You Run? We'll see you next time, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Thanks for having me on the show today, Steve. Appreciate it.